I've been uh, playing Creighton's uh, Wingman lately. I've, right. Yeah. I have some problems with it. And I, so I asked Chat That's a good place to go. To write a dating profile for Creighton. A dating profile for Creighton. Oh, Chat GPT. Awesome. Yeah, Chat GPT. So I told him, write a dating profile of a, a 30-year-old black man that is 24% Italian. Which is and, completely accurate. And a Christian. And who loves Pokemon and Magic the Gathering. What did chat GPT I create? don't know if this artificial intelligence is going to take over the world because this is stupid accurate. All right, let me hear it. All right, so. I'm Wait, are we, are we live? Re- are we live? Yes, yes, we are. Okay, okay, just just keep on the going. Right okay. No, just keep this going. This is for all you ladies out there. Um, so this, I'm going to read don't it as look if into I'm look the camera in when you say that. Uh, <laughs> About me. Hello there. So this is chat, just to recap, chat chat. GPT writing a a dating profile for a black man. A black man who's 24% Italian, a Christian who loves Pokemon and Magic the Gathering. Which is Creighton. Yes. Okay, so this is what it it auto-generated. Right. And it says, hello there, I'm Chris. Close enough. (laughs) A unique blend of Italian warmth, cultural diversity, and deep Christian faith. With my heritage I'm into this reflecting 24% Italian roots and a strong connection to the black community. I've Literally how a, I introduce myself. <laughs> I've grown to appreciate the beauty of both worlds. My faith is a cornerstone of my life, and I believe that kindness, compassion, and helping others are fundamental values. Which is a good selling point for Creighton, I'm going right. to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. looking for a dude? <laughs> no, no, no. He's Italian. When I'm not at church or involved in community service, you'll find me indulging my inner child through my love for Pokemon <laughs> and Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I can talk strategy, share my favorite cards, and trade stories from the world of these fantastic <laughs> games with you. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but it's so accurate. That's what's crazy. <laughs> it's so accurate. It's not just about the cards. It's about the friendships and connections that come with them. That's exact. I've heard that, that argument for, from Creighton before. I feel it strongly. <laughs> I enjoy the simple pleasures in life, whether it's strolling through the park, trying new recipes with a bit of, a, of an Italian flair, of course, or sharing a laugh with friends. Family is important to me, and I'm looking for someone who values those connections just as much as I do. Here's the kicker. (laughs) If you're looking for a caring, fun-loving, and faithful partner who can also be your ultimate Pokemon and Magic the Gathering buddy, swipe right. Let's embark on a journey of faith, friendship, and love together. And if that's you, email PopeCrayton at gmail.com. This Absolutely. message was not approved by the Creighton Vaughn <laughs> campaign. Absolutely. All right, switch back. Hey, welcome, welcome to the Hello Radio Show. <clears throat> My name is Zach Adams, a pastor at church. The most located. ridiculous intro we've had, which is a high bar to clear. <laughs> we've been playing this. We've been planning this for a few days. Yeah, Since I, at least Saturday night. Yeah. <clears throat> there, there, there's more to this, by the way. Oh my god! You have to dollar. share the one of write a story about. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a, cool. One. A pastor that. Yeah. Almost died of COVID and his arms didn't work. That yeah. was wonder awesome. who that's about. <clears throat> yeah, awesome. Um, anyway, my name is Zach Adams. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. Sorry, I'm dealing with a bit of a fall cough. The ragweed <clears throat> is getting me right here, which I know is kind of a dangerous thing for me to say, but you you get me. I'm all right, but I'm going to cough a little bit, so just bear with me. Again, I pastor church outside of Athens, Calvary 316. <clears throat> Learn more about the church by visiting calvary316.com. 
If you're local, check us out Sunday at 1030. If you're not local, check us out online. Calvary316.live is a quick link to our YouTube channel. I'm joined, as always, by the man you just got his dating profile from, um, Creighton Vaughn. Welcome. Hello. I'm here, and I am single. Uh, that's all you need to know about me. Is that that's what you went with? That was it. That was what I went with. That's I'm questioning it now, but here we are. That's because yeah. we said everything about them that needed. To be <laughs> that's right. Chat GPT Chad did GPT actually. Did. The the AI the internet knows. The internet knows. But you could uh, create explain how the show works for anyone that might be new. They, well, if they're new, so, they've already turned us off. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So basically, the way the show works is that it is me, it is Zach, it's Justin. We also have a guy named Vinny here who will be introduced in a moment, I'm sure. Um, and Zach's going to rant about something for about half the show. And then I will bring up a topic, either a Bible passage or a question that I have or that I think other people might have about Christianity. And I'm going to force Zach to do a Bible study on that topic. He doesn't know what it is. Um, I do. Nobody else does. Um, he has not, to do a not Bible super study. true for tonight because it's my wife's usually, question. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 it's my yeah, wife's yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, so whatever. Full disclosure: um, I have a little insight into anyway, what's, where we're going. Yeah. Um, and then we have a conversation about it during his Bible study slash discussion, um, and it's a riotous good time. Uh, it's always crazy. And if you'd like to be a part of it, you can send me a message through either the comments on YouTube or Facebook, assuming you're watching live. Um, and I am in those things, and I can see them. I will do that now. See if there's anybody. So we are. Nobody has sent a comment. So if you'd like to be the first, I would appreciate that. So we are basically live streaming the recording of a podcast that gets released on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasting um, on Thursdays. So we are live streaming that, which enables us to have some audience interaction. Uh, and again, it gives you a little insight into us and uh, just a fun thing to do. So uh, the podcast has been around way before the live stream. In fact, we're yeah. mid 200s as far as our episodes go, right? I think this will be 239. Yeah. So we're, we've been doing this for many years and uh, started actually live streaming it um, probably two, three years ago. So yeah, it did yeah, three. yeah, we've been doing that for a little while now. So uh, you can learn all about uh, this particular ministry, which is the ministry of Calvary 316 by going to outlawradio.org. Um, again, the live, in case you're listening on the podcast, the, the live stream Wednesday nights, eight o'clock, uh, you can check that out on YouTube outlawradio.live or facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Uh, you've already, most of you know, spice daddy. Uh, welcome again, spice daddy to the Howdy. show. You're doing all right. Yeah, man. Had a good weekend. Went to, you know, <laughs> deal daddy Derek's uh, birthday party. Happy birthday. Deal daddy. That's Derek. right. Today's deal. Yeah, daddy Derek's birthday. birthday. Derek. Shout out to deal daddy. Derek. Did you hear Ron Washington? Third yes. base coach of the Braves is now the manager of the A's. Congratulations. Of the Angels, not Angels. the A's. Uh, congratulations. I did see, though, he's also taking Eric Young Jr., our first base coach, with him. Mm. He's taking some of the staff. You know what? It, we've been on a roll. I mean, sometimes it's good to just, you know, get in new new stuff and Yeah, that's good. That it. was good. Good commentary there, <laughs> Spice Daddy. Uh, also joined in studio by a good friend of ours who's frequent to the show. Uh, dear Daddy, Vinny Himes. What's up? Dear Daddy is such a You gotta a good show name. people this shirt you wore. It's the greatest shirt ever made. Okay, so for those of you for those of you that are basically that are listening and can't see this, this is one of the reasons you should turn into the live show. But Vinny is wearing a black and white silhouetted photo of Donald Trump who has basically Tupac Shakur's body. So fly. With a 45 gold chain. I don't so, know how I feel about this. 
I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Which is funny. That's actually very interesting that Creighton's like, this is fantastic. And Justin's like, I don't know how I feel about it. It's how Trump crosses over into the Italian African American communities. <laughs> yeah. There are dozens of us. <coughs> so uh, before we get to the show, as Creighton mentioned, I like to go on a little bit of a rant. Not so much of a rant tonight. This is this is probably going to be too much information, but there's a point to this. So bear with me for just a moment. Dangerous way to start. Yeah. So uh, my day kind of got away from me. Uh, things were running wide open. Creighton came over to pick up some stuff. And uh, it was like 4.30 and Creighton's like, hey, yeah, I'll be back. I'm going to run by the church. I'll come back over. Um, but I got to swing by, pick up some dinner, take a shower. I'll be at your place. And, and what did I tell you? I was like, hey, man, you don't have to go shower. You're looking fly. You're looking good. You did tell me that. Yeah, yes. nice. But you left, and then it dawned on me. I hadn't showered. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yeah, my day kind of ran away from me as well. So before anybody got here, I, I, I jumped in the shower, and, and it was kind of just thinking about tonight's episode. Um, th- never mind. <laughs> you, can go back, you can go back into the archive. You can hear my story. But I want to just talk very quickly, and this is not really a rant. It's more of an exhortation. About the idea of scar tissue, about scars. Mm. Um, because there are times that, you know, I, like I'm cleaning my body and I get reminded of scars. Um, from the situation that I went through, um, I have some notable scars. I've got a spot on the back of my head. Uh, tell me if you can actually see it. Yeah. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, Mabel says it's a shark. Does it look like a shark? I don't know, but this is riveting television. There we go. Uh, so Mabel says it looks like a shark, but I've got this this sore on the back of my head, uh, the spot that because I was sore. Mo- it's no longer it's, a sore. It's not a sore. It's not oozing anymore. But uh, yeah, and the hair is not going to grow back. <clears throat> it's a scar. Um, I don't see that one, which is helpful. It's on the back of my head, um, and I've just kind of embraced it. In fact, I, I've told this story before. Um, I was sharing my testimony in Philadelphia, and when I walked off the stage, this old guy came up to me and said, "Hey, I knew." Before you said anything, I knew. I said, how so? He goes, that, that scar. He goes, my, my daughter had the same one. And uh, she didn't make it. She, got, she was graduated to heaven. She was healed in heaven. Uh, but I knew uh, just by looking at the scar, I, I, I identified, yeah, this guy's been through it. Because you don't have that apart from it. And then I've got this, the trach scar. Uh, that's number two. I've got this pneumothorax scar back up here, which is pretty gnarly looking where they jammed a tube through my ribs to inflate my lung. Um, I've got a, a scar here, which is my um, feeding tube, my peg tube scar. Um, it looks like a bullet wound hole, and it looks like it exited over here. So that's, that's my story at the beach, and I'm sticking to it. I was in a gang fight. Um, and then I've got, I've got another scar. Um, again, it's, it's the other one I don't see. I can't see it. Uh, it's on my tush, and um, it's because I, I laid in my, my poop for hours one night uh, because the nursing staff is great at night. And I had a really terrible bed wound that has left me with basically a silver dollar pancake sized scar on my rear end. Now I bring all that up to say, you know, scars can scars are a reminder of trauma. You see a scar, you remember the story. Um, This scar, I had a scar here on my forehead years ago. I hit myself in the head with a hammer when I was like 11 uh, but I'd always see the scar. You'd remember the trauma. You remember the story. I have notable scars. So I'm, I'm cleaning myself in the shower and I see certain things. And it's like, it, it reminds you of the trauma. <clears throat> but you know, scars don't just remind you of the trauma. 
a scar only exists because you survived. <clears throat> and a scar only exists because some miracle happened that, that you were, you were healed. You know, like, like, you know, don't take it lightly. The idea that the human body can be cut open. And if you just hold that flesh together for enough time, it'll reconnect itself. Like that is a m- magical, like miraculous type thing. Like I had this, the trach, when they removed the trach, they put this big gauze on my neck. And I was like, this is not going to work. This is terrible. And they said it'd take like four or five days for it to, 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 to hold a close up. Like later that day, they took it off because I was like, Lord, you got to do something. I've been a trooper up until this point. Now you, you like, you got to help me out. And it was like 80% closed up, 75%, 80% closed. Like it just took a day. It's an amazing thing. Like the body's an amazing, amazing deal, how it heals. So scars <clears throat> exist not just to remind you of trauma, trial, hurts, pains, but also healing. And, and I'm, I'm kind of using this in a bit of an analogy because um, while I have physical scars, a lot of you have emotional scars. You have psychological scars. You have scars deep within that no one can see, but you, but I I just want to exhort you that you can see those scars in two ways as a remembrance of just an unfair trauma or the evidence of a miraculous God who heals. And, and that's where for me, I just, from time to time, I'll look at my scars, the physical ones. And it just reminds me that, man, we do serve a God um, that heals. And I, 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 it, that Red Hot Chili Pepper song, Scar Tissue, I Wish You Saw, Sarcasm. Like, every time I hear that song, this Scar Tissue, I just think of Scar Tissue. And just Scar Tissue is, is the evidence of, of trauma, but it's also the evidence of healing. Vinny, I know you have scars, but does this resonate with you at all? Just before oh, yeah. we get to Creighton's topic. 100%. I mean, they're, they're like trophies to me. I mean, it, it means you lived through something. It means you survived. Yeah. What's your gnarliest scar, physically? That guy right there. Oh, that's the one you hit on the, the uh, oh, yeah. front of the truck. Gutted myself. Explain that story. Uh, trying to be helpful after hours and check out a truck for a customer and slipped off the bumper of his truck and literally hung from the hood latch of his truck. By my rib cage. Uh, very, very comfortable. Tickle. Sounds like a fun time. Yeah. But yeah. you like got off and like went right back to work, not thinking anything of it. And then you yeah, finally like. I didn't like, even realize how bad I was hurt. I just went, I went right back, back about my day. And then uh, he was like, yeah, bro, you're bleeding. And then I looked <laughs> down and picked my shirt up and I had like an eight inch hole in my side. Oh, and geez. I could hear my insides making, stirring macaroni noises, which was not pleasant. Yeah, I mean, and plus macaroni is oh. not, it's over, it's of the Italian food, probably one of the most overrated. Let's be Indeed. real. Anyway. I was very clear. Macaroni is black, not Italian. <laughs> That's very important to me. We don't get to argue with them either. Why yeah, are you arguing is, about this? You're both. Why? Because I, can't, I like one of them more it. than the other. <laughs> I, I don't mean this in any type of racial way, but it's like grape juice and wine. Well, yeah, it actually, yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's like grape juice or wine. Yeah, no, 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 I'm on board with that. So, like, on Sunday mornings when you're going to go take communion because we have grape juice and wine offered, it's really like, 
Are you feeling more Italian that day, or are you feeling more? <laughs> no, nah, I always chew wine. Choose wine. I'm not big grape juice guy. It's very sweet. I'm not a sweet guy. And the blood is supposed to be bitter. Agreed. I, I really like them. I like the the metaphoricalology. That's oh, a word. Wow, you just threw out some big words. I'm not sure are true. Oh yeah, I made it up. Totally. I appreciate that. Hey, we are also joined. We should we should mention this by um, I think just the second young lady uh, audience member. Uh, we don't have a camera for the audience. It's our youngest audience member. It's our our youngest audience member. Uh, should we should we? We'll leave her name out of it, but let's just say she's related to to one of the uh, the guests tonight, who's not Spice Daddy Creighton or me. Um, <laughs> just throwing that out there. Um, by the way, so as the we love you, a good mystery on this yeah show. yeah. So you should you should know this that at any point as the audience member at any point during the show. If something is said, you have a question, you can flag us down, you can ask that question, and we'll answer it. Or you can email PopeCrayton at gmail.com. You could also do that, which, <laughs> yes. which would be a little overboard considering you're in the room. Shameful drop. True. I'm just getting on, on, <clears throat> on the teenagers' levels, okay? They would, if they That's would, what you do, don't you? They will text across the room when they're sitting right next to each other. It's, it's weird. It's Dude, I do creepy. that sometimes, but it's only because I'm telling secrets. <clears throat> Let's speak to which topic, I do Craig. have some comments. Oh, we got some comments. Yeah, we got before some comments we get to now. the topic. Uh, most of them are from Derek, so we'll get to those in a second. Hey, happy birthday, Deal Daddy. Happy yes. birthday, homie. Uh, we also have one from Jennifer, and it says, All the single ladies, which I think is a <laughs> reference to the Beyonce. All the single ladies. You think that's a reference to the You think that's a reference to Beyonce? did not include music, so I'm mm. guessing. Yeah, I don't think I, you'd have to I'm guess. I'm guessing. If yeah. it's... Derek says, Hey, and then Dale, yeah, thank you. And then, yeah. And then we should tattoo an eye inside the scar on his head, which I am so down for. You want oh, an eye? I thought, no, I thought it'd be great to have the kids like looking out, like, <laughs> like peering out the back. That's a great or, idea. Or, or, or like imagine, ever, imagine that. Oh you, yeah. Do you ever Just watch three little blonde kids? Yeah, three little blonde kids. Do you ever watch Home Improvement? No, I never the did. Neighbor, of course, I neighbor, watch Home Improvement. Who the did? The neighbor. Yeah, Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> Yeah, just looking out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, Jennifer did confirm that she was referencing the Beyonce song. Okay, yeah. No, that she, she didn't have to her. confirm yeah. that. Thank we, you, Jennifer. I appreciate that. the confirmation. We were very aware. No need to confirm. We knew exactly what that was about. Any, anything else? Nope, that is it so far. You see, that's why we do that. We, we, get, we start with some nonsense just to kind of gin up the, the audience participation. So we, had, we have a question from the most serious... Uh, non-listener uh probably um, one of the best authors in this household how so how so uh i believe it is a it was on the amazon best-selling christmas book for a little bit uh it's called an amazon christmas mm, who wrote that? Uh, prime christmas no amazon christmas <clears throat> an amazon christmas uh that would be your wife jessica adams that's true a uh, very solid book i highly recommend it <coughs> five out of five stars just saying just came out in hardback Kindle, soft cover, hardback. Wonderful addition to your Christmas Legacy traditions. Legacy book to pass down to your kids and their kids. D there's something like that. Yeah, sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. So, my wife, who never watches the show, uh, she's got better things to do with her life. <laughs> like I say that children. actually like a lot of respect. She really does. She's oh, yeah. watching the kids, putting them to bed right now. It's a, cr it's a crazy situation. Um more power to her. Um, but she did reach out to you 
interesting. Well, actually, there's a sequence to this, which is funny to me. I don't know if you put this together. So my wife reached out to my dad about a question she had from a passage of scripture. And my dad, you know, just like pastors will, bloviated for about 15 minutes, never really answering the question. So she comes to the best pastor she knows, me, with the same question. And uh, I basically rolled over and went to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just not the right time. You guys are killing it. I know. But it was late at night. And it's like, you want to do this now? We just got done watching a movie. Aren't you sleepy? I'm sleepy. So she, what does she do? She goes to Creighton. Because she knows that you can't just roll over and go to sleep on me. Did she email him at PopeCreighton <laughs> at gmail.com? No, she asked me in person. Oh. That's uh, what well, we were at. Yeah. Lunch at some point. I don't I know. Like I have lunch with you guys a lot. Spelled out every time we say it because I have no clue how to spell that. How to spell what? Pope? P O P E. <laughs> Not that hard. Brilliant. Just like the other Italian Pope. Brilliant. Um, no, my name is Creighton. So it's Pope Creighton. It's spelled C R E I G H T O N. Just like the University of Nebraska. Pope Creighton, gmail.com. Anyway. All right. So the question. When um, Saul is still king of Israel, but David has been anointed as the next king of Israel. Saul is hunting David. There's a whole lot going on. And Saul ends up in a cave relieving himself. And David sneaks up to him, cuts a piece of his robe, um, and then dips, right? Because like his men are like, dude, this is the chance. You go kill Saul. You're king of Israel. We're no longer on the run. Like, let's go. God has delivered him into our hands. David's like, no. So he goes and he cuts the, the piece of cloth. And then he expresses remorse over cutting the cloth off of Saul's cape. And then he goes out and uses this as a bargaining chip with Saul. And so Jessica would like to know, why would he show remorse about doing something that he claims is against what God wants him to do in cutting the robe? And still go out and um, use it as a bargaining piece against Saul. If I believe that is what she that's what she asked me. If you understand the question another way, you know her better than I do. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I understood. So let's just read the story to start with, and then we can try to, you know, unpack the essence of the question. Uh, We're first Samuel twenty four, correct? Yes. So we read, now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that was told him saying, take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. And, and, and again, you got to keep in mind, Saul was the king that the people had chosen. God could have used him, but he was a wicked man. He had flaws. And uh, in the course of that, God commissioned Samuel to go to the house of Jesse because God's going to anoint a king. People chose a king. Now God's going to choose a king. And he chooses the shepherd boy, the the youngest of this family, the least likely chosen. The shepherd boy, this little redhead named David. <clears throat> but that doesn't mean he's king. It doesn't mean he's king. He's been anointed king. God has anointed him king. But there's like a whole lot of David's story that has to be un- unpacked. <clears throat> Which would include, as again, a young boy... Children of Israel having this conflict with the Philistines. They're on encampments on two sides of the valley. You have this Philistine named Goliath coming out taunting 
the children of Israel. There's no one in Israel that's wanting to take on the, the giant Goliath. And David shows up. He's like, what, what's going on? He's a boy. He's a kid. And, and he, again, God uses him. There's like this wonderful, <clears throat> wonderful story where David's, you know, kills Goliath. That still doesn't mean that he's king. <clears throat> Saul's still king. He's still a boy. How much of the anointment does, does Saul know? <clears throat> we don't really know per se, other than the fact that it, it becomes very evident very quickly to Saul that David, this, this up and comer, is a threat to the throne. Because again, the way that monarchs work, Saul's king, but who's now to be king? His son, Jonathan. The idea of his generation, his genealogy getting cut off right from the bat and it's switching to David, that that's just something that's not acceptable. And <clears throat> which is explains why like David would play the harp. Saul has him close. He throws spears at him. Anyway, David's got to go on the run for his life because Saul's threatened by this young man who he clearly understands, recognizes, has a unique anointing. Now, whether he knows he's going to be the king or not, who, who knows? So David's on the run for a long time. Like he's basically the, the way to think about it. He's an enemy of the state. Um, he is a successor. He is a revolutionary. He's the one that's a threat to the establishment. That's if what you're he is. Saul, you would call him a usurper. Right. So he is... Um, He's a dangerous commodity. And he's got like a crew of misfits, the 400 men of valor that are following behind him. So Saul gets done with this, this excursion, <clears throat> this interaction with the Philistines, <clears throat> and he's presumably heading back to Jerusalem, but he gets word, hey, David, rumor has it, is in, in Gedi, which is south. The presumption being hey, this is an opportunity potentially for you to catch the most wanted. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats, which would be a great name for a punk rock band, just so you know. Agreed. Yeah, Rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road. There was a cave. So Saul went in to attend to his needs. There's not a good racetrack. There's not a good, you know, quick trip or buckies, you know, on, on the road, you know, to relieve yourself. So Saul sees this cave. He's like, hey, let's stop. I need to make a pit stop. So, you know, and this is a very polite way, you know, to attend to his needs. He's going to go in and take a dump. Like, just full disclosure, there's a lot of ways you can frame this. I'm going to pitch it to Vinny real quick. Pinching off a pipe and hot loaf. There you go. So that's what he's <laughs> going to go do. If, if you really needed, like, another way to maybe frame that out, let's just, let's throw in a second one. Dropping a stink pickle. There you go. We could do this literally all day, but this is what, this is what, you were here for the right episode. You know what I mean? Everybody has their car. You have a third one? You have a third one? I have a question for the audience. Do you know why our turds are tapered? Oh, um, no. So your butthole doesn't slam shut. <laughs> there you have it on the Outlaw Radio Show. <laughs> Thank you, dear daddy. So he goes in to attend to his needs. We're told David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. So, so get the picture. 
Oh my goodness. <clears throat> David and his men are fleeing. They're like they're on the run. They hear Saul's coming down. They they bail into this cave. They get in the back of the cave. It just so happens, Saul gotta take a dump. He's like, this is a good place to go relieve myself. So his three thousand men are outside, chilling. He goes into this cave and puts himself in like <laughs> the most vulnerable. Well, the Saul's defense. This is very it's it's kind of a narrow area in the middle of nowhere <laughs> packed full of caves and there's a bunch of little waterfalls and, and like creeks and stuff like that so it's kind of an oasis of sorts near the dead sea like hmm. desert you area. can visit you can visit this very cave right. today by the way yeah mm-hmm. do we know which one it is no but i mean there's a good chance there's there's a lot of caves in that area mm. there's but a it, poop emoji on the wall yeah <laughs> there is a poop emoji on the wall um Solid, famous yeah. Saul poop cave. Yeah. Yeah. You know how you know it was the, sa- the, the cave? It was, it had a title over top of it. <laughs> that, that's how you know. Anyway, so, so this is like, he's popping a squat. And Justin, you might be able to speak to this just a little bit, not uh, in the sense of popping a squat, but like for a Middle Eastern man, who's the king of Israel, like the idea of, of like, he's going into a cave, there's privacy, but like, the ability to use the restroom in that particular culture, that's not like a, just a, like, again, to kind of describe, paint the picture of like, this is, this is a, a, a thing. Well, I mean, as a, not really a middle, middle Eastern thing per se, but like a King in general was not meant to, to interact with normal everyday things that the average person would. So if you're out there with your with your men, you're going to have your own tent. You're going to have your own bathroom, stuff like that. So it, it's not just a privacy, you didn't want to use the men's locker room kind of thing. It, it was a cultural thing where the king had status to where... Pooping is for peasants. Yes. I'm a king. Kind well, you're also... My, my point is, like, just the attire, though. Right. Like, for you're, us, we drop our drawers, but, right. like... If you're in the Middle East, you've got long flowing robes. The right. king is adorning so, certain so things. So you're probably thinking, how did David cut off the corner of his robe? Which your spoiler alert we're going to get to. probably took the robe off mm-hmm. and, and hung it up somewhere close by. Or laid it on a rock or something in the cave. Right. I mean, because I don't know if you've ever been over in the eastern part of the world. Uh, there's these things that, that are basically holes in the wall and you just squatty potty. So that's a, Or you've been camping before. This is this is the same kind of concept here, and and in the desert you don't have a tree to lean up against, uh, so. So you got to get the scene. David and his men are on the run. They're in the back of this cave, and then lo and behold, the very man that stands between David and the throne, Saul, the very man that's completely uprooted their lives is trying to kill them. It's the reason active, they can't go home to their wives. Active pursuit. Comes into this cave, they're in the back of it, and and takes off his, he's probably stark naked, bending down, relieving himself. Like, no guards. He's he's ripe for the, the picking, which is why we're told verse 4, again, this is 1 Samuel 24, so the men of David said to him, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. Basically, this is your moment. Like, you can be king. One swing of the sword, this is over. 
we're no longer in exile. We're no longer on the run. Our lives instantly change. More specifically, your life instantly changes. Obviously, this is God. How do you write this up? So David <clears throat> arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Which is, again, it's, it's, it's interesting, and this is the source of the question. But let's just read on. So what happened afterwards is that David's heart troubled him because he cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing <clears throat> to my master, the Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words, did not allow them to rise against Saul. Saul got up from the cave. He went on his way. David also arose afterwards, went out of the cave, and called out to Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. So, again, the scene, Saul finishes up what he does. David just cuts off a corner of his robe. He feels real bad about it. His men are like, dude, we're going after him. And he has to restrain them. Saul leaves. He exits the cave. David's feeling real bad about what's gone on, that he cut the robe. So he comes out of the cave. Like, he's giving up his position. There's 3,000 men. They're outnumbered. Like, so this is a dicey situation. If you're one of... David's homeboys, you're like, what? You've killed us all. And not only that, but like you're trapped in the back of a cave. It's not like you have a strategic position anymore. Like you're going to get cut down one by one by one as you exit the cave. There's no, like they burn a, build a fire at the front of it. You all die. Like, like you're, you went from like a strategic advantage to being extraordinarily vulnerable with no out because of this guy you've pledged your allegiance to. So David comes out and says, My Lord, the king. And Saul looked at him. David bows down. So David says to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks your harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you into my hand in the cave. Someone urged me to kill you, but my eye spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord, Against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For in that I cut the, off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand. I have not sinned against you. Yet you will hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me and let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients say, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the Lord of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog, a flea? Therefore let the Lord be judge, and judge between you and me, and see and plead my case, and deliver me out of your hand. So it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice, and he wept. And then he said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown me this day how you have dealt well with me. <clears throat> for when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, he will let him get away safely. Therefore may the Lord reward you with good, for you have done to me this day. And now I know, indeed, that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Therefore swear... 
now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name for my father's house. So David swore to Saul. Saul went home and David and his men went up to the stronghold. Uh, what a fascinating story. <clears throat> I think, and again, the, the, the essence of the question is, okay, so David cuts off the corner of Saul's robe. And then he feels bad about it. As if he's done a harm against Saul. But then he comes out of the cave and he uses the very thing that he's has a regret about to make a point to Saul, hey, I could have killed you. So how do you reconcile kind of the two things? Was, and again, maybe a way to, to ask the question, and I'll pose it to you guys. <clears throat> was David right in cutting off the, 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 the hem of Saul's robe? 100%. So explain. So it's very simple. It's the it's the weakness of the flesh, the aha, I got you, I could have done this, and then the immediate regret and conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's not what I wanted you to do here, and it all worked out in God's plan, obviously. But both parties involved needed to see that weakness of the flesh and then the control of the Holy Spirit, because that ultimately is what made Saul humble in the presence of 3,000 men where he's totally got them, but to see such great humility, to see the regret that David had in the situation, hey, I did this. It was like a, a big funny. I was going to show all my guys. I cut off his robe, but then I felt bad. I mean, that is the conviction of the Holy Spirit that we right. get to and, enjoy. And there's an interesting component to like, like David apologizes for cutting off his robe, when he could have killed him. Right. Like, you see the, ir the irony to that? Yes. Well, I think it goes back to, you got to go back to the previous chapters in this where Saul was anointed by God to be king of Israel. Then David comes along and is anointed to be king of Israel. But God never told David to kill Saul. To kill Saul. Yeah. So it, God never told anybody the plans to you know how is this transition supposed to happen so where do you go from there and, and i think this this scenario kind of shows <laughs> probably how we would approach it you know i probably would have just leroy jenkins did and ran at ran at saul and but i mean i think it really shows david's humility and righteousness in, in that aspect of the flesh almost won out there and he, he went forward that, that cutting off of the robe and to brag about it. And then it, it like, like then he was saying, he, it, it, he was convicted of that. I wonder if this is, if you could, if you could make the argument that this passage would be a condemnation of the idea of, yeah, so I did X, but I could have done Y. Absolutely. Like David is still in like the, like, yeah, he could have killed Saul, which clearly would have been wrong. But he also says that cutting off his robe is wrong, which means that like, just because you didn't do the wrong ist thing doesn't mean that the thing you did is right. But right. in the grand yeah, scheme think... of the whole story, killing Saul would have been justifiable as well because he was being hunted. So it's, it's, an... well, it depends on how you define justifiable. 
justifiable. If David is listening to, to God, to men, yes. absolutely yes. agree. And, and I absolutely. think that's where you got to go back with the, it's why the dualities of man. To me, the question is not. <laughs> to me, the question is not. Is it was it right for Saul to kill David or or sorry for David to kill Saul or cut off the robe? It's why did why did David feel convicted of just cutting off the corner of a robe? Mm. And that's because he laid his hand against the anointed of God. Yes. Whether whether that was like physically harming him or with the intention of showing to have something against that. And that's why you see this this odd apology mm-hmm. for something like that. It, he didn't just go into the negotiations being like, oh, I could have killed you, but I didn't. You got away this time because I let you. And no, it was like, hey, I messed up. This is This was against God's will. And he moved right, he doesn't there. stand on the moral high ground of not killing Saul to excuse something that he believes is so wrong. Right, and it all boils down to God's anointing on something. Because at that point in time, they were both anointed. Right. Um, so we have a couple of questions from my mother um, that I'd like to ask you, Justin. So the first is, how big was the cave that 400-plus men could hide and not be seen or heard by Saul? Uh, and the he- second is because they're going to go together, yep. is how did Saul not hear the ripping of his robe or the cutting of his robe? And some of these are going to be speculation, but right. you know the most about the region from what I well, understand. Well, the area you can, like, so when you get to En Gedi, uh, where this place is, it's kind of an oasis of sorts. And it you kind of hike in and you, you go up to, and there's some caves and there's like a little creek or river you go through and 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 there's like a spring of water there um so it's a great place to hide because you you have water in the desert the key key water is the most important thing in a survival situation and so you have this uh as far as the caves go i don't know um mostly because they have a lot of the you can't go into the caves oh really they, they got a lot of that area blocked off it's in it's in one of Israel's national parks in Getty National Park. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, but there is some wildlife. You still see like goat, wild goats and stuff moving around there because there's water. Right. <laughs> and Aw, so, Dad. yeah. And and if you know anything about caves, if you've ever been in one, uh, I have one. Oh, I've been in small caves once. Went cave diving. Very interesting. Spelunking, as they say. I've been spelunking yes. once. I thought I thought this. This was going to be my problem, but it was my height. So short mm. people had the advantage in caves. Yes. Uh, and and so. Uh, right with the W. And if you ever watch any like videos on caving and stuff like that, uh, half the time there's some like chambers, small hole, chamber, and, and stuff like that. And so it's very, very likely that, and there's caves throughout Israel. And they get dark quick in caves. Right, you don't have to go right, very right, deep right. for it to get pitch black. And so for 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 Saul, and I'm just speculating, it was probably these one of these multi-chambered caves with a large chamber, small opening to go to another chamber. And being at the back of the cave, it was probably hard to see where that where mm-hmm. it continued on. And so they they would have been also and if it's if you speculate I don't know if you've ever gone from a really bright outside to a really dark inside somewhere your eyes aren't adjusted to the dark mm-hmm. and so you're not going to be able to see everything but everybody inside that's in the dark can see perfectly fine so it's probably and and based on human anatomy 
one of those situations. Uh, as far as the robe goes, it, they were David ro- sneaky. He, not only was sneaky, <clears throat> but I mean, you're talking. He probably took his robe off. Mm-hmm. He stripped down to go poop. <laughs> We've all had those before. So you guys. <laughs> He walked out of that cave with one less sock. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've all we've all had those moments, you know, and maybe 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 uh, you know a few hours after the Chinese buffet or Zach good on the fourth tee box at Augusta right. National Golf Club. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so stripped down. <laughs> a bear a bear died in the wood. No, that was Zach. So uh, the guys did a great job uh, killing a few minutes. I say killing. No, your insights were great, but it very quickly put me on a uh, quick hunt in my library here uh, to find this book. So this book is is by Gene Edwards. It's A Tale of Three Kings. See if we can get it. Okay, so let me explain explain what this book is because I think it it gives us some insight to the undercurrent of the story. I think the undercurrent of this story will help us understand what's going on with David. Whether he realizes it or not, but like the big thing that's going on with David here and why this matters. Why like even even cutting the robe disturbed him, like why this plays out. So the idea of a tale of three kings, it's, it's, it's kind of a short story is the way that it's framed. But it centers on three kings, David, <clears throat> Saul, Saul, David, and then Absalom, which is David's son, doesn't become a king. And the whole idea, and the, the subtitle is it's a study in brokenness. So the, so the premise and, and what the radical idea of this book is. <clears throat> okay, so why did God, so God has Saul, as Justice said, Saul's the anointed king. But then God comes when he's a boy and anoints David. Okay, well then why not make, especially when David becomes of age, like why are we waiting like, why is there this season where Saul, the anointed king, is still, <laughs> still on the throne. David, the anointed king, is in waiting. And you have one king trying to kill the other king. Like, why did God, because we believe God's providentially in control. Like, why did God create this structure where David, the anointed king of Israel, had to submit himself under Saul... The king of the anointed king of Israel, like why did God give this dynamic, where David, because again right here David could have taken out Saul and he's king. David's really <clears throat> upset with himself because he feel like and, and, and again you, you get it with it. Who am I to mess with the Lord's anointed? Like David's whole premise is like, hey, I cut off the robe of the king that God has anointed to be presently king over Israel. God's anointed me to be next. It's not my right to make that change. That's God's right. So Saul's king, I'm in waiting, but as long as he's alive and he's king, he's my king too. So who am I to mess with the anointed of the Lord? Because until God removes Saul, he's to be king. Like David places his confidence in the sovereignty of God. Like I, I'm, I, yes, I know I'm the next king, but he is the current king. And it's God who makes the change. And David, he comes, he, he's overwhelmed with like remorse about even cutting off the hem of his garment because he feels like he's done something wrong. Because that's God's king. 
Who's who? What, what, what does he have right to do that? I, I think a good just coming to my mind. Yeah, how, yeah. How, how me as an American imagine this? The president elect and the current president. Right. You think of it like that. Yeah. Right. And, and so who 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 is president at the point of time when <coughs> the the that those November fourth elections after that night's over a new president's elected who who is the current president at that time like is it the guy that just got elected or do we have to wait we have to wait and, and so he's still very much the president yeah and, and and i think that's in my mind that's kind of it's a, it's a, it's a decent analogy to place it into a modern context but right. but but again what this book talks about is it is it gets to that underlying and again this is a Tale of Three Kings, Study in Brokenness by Gene Edwards. I highly recommend anyone and everyone get this book. This is a fantastic book. really is. Um, uh, you should all you put that in your cart on Amazon. Along with, same, with, an, along with uh, an Amazon Christmas. Two books that uh, should be paired together and in the holidays. email popecrayton at gmail.com for possibly a copy of... Uh, chapter by Chapter, another wonderful book. That Not on be. Amazon. Not on Amazon. Anyway, so <laughs> what makes Justin, you, you're out of control. Um, so the whole idea here is what this book addresses, and I think this is what makes the book brilliant. Saul's king, David, anointed king. Why does God force David to submit to Saul? And we can, we can, we can take this into our own lives. Why does God place authority in our life Wicked authority, evil authority, authority that throws spears at us. And God's like, you need to submit to that. Well, I, I need a new boss. Well, okay, I'm in control of that. Do you want me to whack him or, 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 or you do something? Like, like, why does God have us submit ourselves sometimes to bad authority? Because that's the dynamic. Saul is kind of a wicked dude. And God's like, hey... You're the next king, but you're you're also a subject under this man. When it's when I decide to make the change, I I'll make the change. Until then, he's your king because I anointed him. So what what is the reason for that? And the way that the book frames it is then it switches to Absalom. So why did God have David submit to Saul for all those years? The answer? It was to work the Saul out of David. Like sometimes God forces us to submit to people that drive us nuts and grate on us and frustrate us. Why? Because he's trying to take the similar, like the very things, like the reasons why they grate on us. Those are the things that the Lord is trying to work out of us so that like later in, in life, David's the anointed king and Absalom, who's not anointed, but it's like, I should be king. Tries to overthrow the throne. And what is David's response? Does David throw spears at Absalom? Does David react the way that Saul did to David? No. In fact, David's like, you know what? If Absalom's the guy, I should get out of the way. The Lord's in control. I don't have to fight this. And what happens? Absalom's hair swings him on a tree and he hangs himself. Because why? God didn't anoint it. But like David didn't have to be Saul. Why? Because the Saul in him had been worked out by having to submit to Saul. And there's this, there's this beautiful picture to that, again, very well articulated in this book, 
But the practicalities for us, <clears throat> you know, I'm going to say this tactfully, as tactfully as I can. And, and, and again, I mean this in all respect. But for 10 years, the Lord called me to submit myself to my dad, who was the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel, Stone Mountain. And I was not the senior pastor. And, and there, there were times I was decent at it, and the overwhelming majority of the time, I wasn't so much. And there were times I get frustrated and get, and get like, I can't believe he's doing this, and I can't believe this is how he's reacting to something, and, and this is the wrong way to do it. And now that I've been a pastor, a senior pastor for a decade, like my initial reactions to certain situations are identical. Because I'm his son. And there's genetic reasons and all kinds of stuff. But then I have to take a step back and be like, no, 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 no. Like, my dad's always said, I want you to be a better pastor than me. I want you to be a better man than me. I want you to be a better father than me. So, like, this is not an insult. I have a wonderful dad who's a fantastic pastor. This is not to be an insult in any regard. But I I think the audience will understand what I'm saying. Like, there are certain things. Like, I had to submit to certain aspects of my father's personality that graded on me. Why? Because those were the same natural things in me that God was trying to refine. Do you think that's why in the Ten Commandments, part of the moral law, that he has honor thy father and the mother? Oh, for sure. That's an interesting thought. That, that, that's kind of like an odd one to throw in there. Yeah. Compared to the other ones. It's just kind of ran, everything else. Has it kind of puts things. murder and being a good son is on right. the same level. <laughs> like, why, why is Don't that? Don't commit adultery. Right. Don't murder people. And, yeah, honor your father and mother. Right. And that one's just kind of like thrown in there and it doesn't really make I've always wondered that's interesting yeah it's always just kind of thrown in there with the other ones but what if that's about like again we talk about generational curses but again I think under the power of the Holy Spirit if we're embracing things the way that God is like generational curses if we approach in the spirit and Vinny you touched on this the spiritual aspect of it can be better men like I want my sons to be better men than me I, I want that as a father. And and it, it's interesting, just again, having two sons, an almost 12-year-old and almost 9-year-old, like there's a component to it where it's like, man, I see myself in them. And it's like, yeah, that's how I would have reacted. And, um, and now I'm equipped to try to help them. Like, hey, this is a battle for your, like for the rest of your life. This is something you're going to struggle with. But, you got to be better than that. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like, am I, am I, are you picking up what I'm putting down? No, it's it for me personally. And I think for a lot of people, it's really easy to talk the talk. Like I've got Jesus in my heart and the Holy spirit, blah, blah, blah. But for me personally, it took 30 years after I accepted Jesus, not 20 something years after I accepted Jesus into my heart for real. Like I really did. And I meant it. But it took 20-some years for me to really shut up and listen to the Holy Spirit and allow him to work in my life. And that's my hope for my kids is it doesn't take them that long because I suffered (coughs) dramatically through my teens and 20s trying to rule my own life. And it 
God basically killed me twice to get me to shut up and listen. And I hope my kids don't have to go through that. I hope my kids don't have to go through being hunted by a king and slaughtered in a cave to realize that the Holy Spirit is ultimately in control. God is ultimately in control. And we all have to go through that path. And how stubborn and bullheaded we are is how dramatic or crazy that path can go. And that's sitting here tonight. I haven't studied this story. I haven't right, yeah. I've read it as a kid. I've read it reading through the Bible. Many, this many is times. an unscripted thing, man. So I've I get you. I've not studied this story, but sitting here tonight listening to it and now thinking of it from my present place in life where I am 100% allowing the Holy Spirit to work. Like, I don't always want to come here on a Wednesday night. You message me on Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> I got things planned, and I'm like, it is instant. The, the response is instant. Yes, I'll be there. Yeah. And that's not my choice. That's the Holy Spirit's choice. So something that was said here tonight, something you asked me here tonight, something that I said tonight, somebody out there needed to hear it exactly the way it was said. And that's the only reason I show up when you call. Yeah. Uh, it's the only reason I'm so willing to be here when I have so much going on. So there, there's a there's a story in the in the New Testament of the Apostle Paul where there, basically it's like this divine annoyance where there's like this demoniac girl that keeps bugging him. You know, he's like, he's got something else to do. And she keeps like irritating him, annoying him, frustrating him. And so finally he like turns and heals her so he can get about his business, you know? Yeah, it's like it's, the first scene oh, in the, the demon girl. series yeah. of The Chosen. Is it? It's first scene. Uh, okay. Yeah. But like, like I've always drawn the application, and this is, I heard some pastors say this when I was going through the book of Acts. I forget who it was. But it resonated with me. That how often the people that God brings along our path that really annoy us, and you know what people are talking about, like the people that like, they show up and you're like, oh, I just can't stand this guy. Like this person's annoying me. Um, I can't jive with this. Like I have to be on a podcast with him for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk to Spice Daddy that way. <laughs> but like that that so often it's the people that annoy you the most that God has sent for a reason. And and I think that there's a component to that with submission. That with authority in our lives, it's like, okay. Authority. You know, you you, you get into like like terrible bosses. And like you can you can resist it, you can fight it, but it's like, uh, are you in your job? Did God anoint it? Is are they placed in a position like submit to it or fight against it? But there's there's a component to submitting under it that if you do it, God is trying to work something out of you because it's often the very things that annoy us. Why do they annoy us? Because they prick something in us, right? Our our imperfections. Yeah. And so that's where that's where we have to come back to, to the Lord with it. I, I want to get to you, though, because I know <clears throat> my explanation of this is going to fall short to Jessica's question. So I want to get to Jessica's question. So her question is, so David cut off corner of his robe, and then he feels terrible about it, and he comes out. But then he, like, so he feels terrible about doing this, but then he seems to be fine using it to make a point to Saul. Is that Okay. I think, I think if we want to get really dogmatic, we would say, no, it's not okay. There's a reason you feel bad about it. You shouldn't use it moving forward. It's like, hey, I feel really bad that I, you know, hacked into your email and, and read some things I shouldn't have read, but now I'm going to use them. 
Like, well, is that really contrition? And I think that's the essence of the question. And I'm not sure, David, like that it is really contrition. Because he should have left it, let it go. Now, at the same time, this is just one of those numerous examples where David falls so short of the standard. You know, David could have walked out of the cave, <clears throat> said, yo, I was in the cave. I could have killed you. Like, he doesn't need the hem of the garment to illustrate his point. Saul knew where he was. He knew what he was doing. David could have been like, you know, the theater music, the Shoney's music, the, the smooth jazz. Yeah, that was me and my boys. Like we could have killed you. Like he doesn't need the hem of the garment to illustrate his point. He walks out of the cave and it's like walking out of the port john covered mm-hmm. in blue slime. I could have stabbed you. I was there. I was there. Like he doesn't need the hem of the garment. So I would say like to some degree, David is used like, like there's now I think he's using it <clears throat> for the, for a, a, a noble intention. He's trying to make a point, but does he need it? No. See, see I disagree. Okay, explain. Just just going back by the the, <coughs> if, if if you notice in the in the verse and in 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 the ESV, it says basically bowed his head. It and and towards towards Saul. Uh, so do you say? think he was actually repenting of cutting I, off I the think, thing? I think he was. Oh, I like Cause that because it says it says his it says his conscience was bothered. I think he was repenting of it to Saul. I like that. No, it. because if you're if you're in I'm a right fight, you. if you're fighting against somebody, you don't bow your head to the enemy. That's a sign of submission, and <laughs> you're basically opening yourself up for your head to be cut off. Right. So you might as well you, lift your chin and show your throat. Yeah. So in that sense, he's not using this as was, a tool to try to no, make a point. I, I think that was full humility. Though. It was. Hey, I did this, and I'm so sorry. Right. I, no, I think that's day. a better explanation. I like that. At the end of the day, from the outside looking in, I see it as the Holy Spirit was working on two things as once. At once, one man's pride needed to be humbled. You could have almost died, and I could have allowed it. But at the same time, I made this dude feel so bad for what he did. Here he is apologizing to you as his king. The Holy Spirit was working on two prides at the same time in one instance. And it broke down the will because, I mean, the end of the story is Saul's like, yeah, you're going to be king. Like, I mean, that, that that's like, like you get to the end of it, and that's why the story's included. Like, it's through this story that Saul, while he still resists certain things, but he comes to, like, this resolution that, like, you know what? I, I get it now. I, I see it. Right. And I, I think it was a combination of stuff. I mean, I, I think David was apologizing in humility, but at the same time, he was just like, I... I could have killed you if I wanted to, and I didn't. It is, it, it, he wasn't using it. I didn't, but, I didn't, and I did this, and I feel bad about even doing this. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Even this you. was wrong. Even because, this was wrong. Because if he was really boastful about it, he wouldn't have bowed down. Like He would have bowed like, down. He wouldn't have yeah, left his men in the he, cave vulnerable. No, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have. And I think that's, I the, like big, it. I think that's the big indicator of actual humility rather than using it as a bargaining chip kind of yeah thing. I, I, I i like that i like that that's great do we have any uh any online comments any anything additional on the interwebs there i've got a couple yeah bring them in um i've got one from jurgen he says um david's conscience bothered him it was an insolent act of disrespect that humiliated saul the robe was a royal robe 
which I think goes back to what Justin was saying um, and why he, David came back yeah. out and was like, I'm, hey. Um, and the last one is also for my mother. And she's, this is going back to the talk about bosses, especially horrible bosses. She says, submission is the key to humility, which I think is also true. Yeah. So the word in Hebrew that they used to, would just bow down is prostrated himself. So yeah, yeah, that you don't do that if somebody's trying to cut off your head. And you don't do that to someone that you don't feel respect for. Anything? Anything else? No, that's it. Vinny, any any final thoughts there? No, I mean that was a really good, great question, and uh, she's totally, an intu- intuitive woman. Yeah, totally unpacked a for what was just a random story in the Bible for me for many years to holy cow. Mm-hmm. There's something say, profound I can there. I see this in my own life, literally. It's, it's uh, heavy stuff, and I think it's really easy for us to say that we're living in the Holy Spirit, we're listening to the Holy Spirit. It's a really hard thing to actually listen to the Holy Spirit and apply that guidance to our lives. It's really simple to overwork ourselves to do what we think should happen in our lives when if we just stop and let the Holy Spirit work, complicated situations become very simple. Hmm. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give a quote from this book here. Uh, better, this is David, better he kill me than I learn his ways. Better he kill me than I become as he is. Speaking of Saul, I shall not practice the ways that cause kings to go mad. I will not throw spears, nor I'll allow hatred to grow in my heart. I will not avenge. I will not destroy the Lord's anointed. Not now, not ever. And, and it's the, the idea of like, you have to recognize whatever authority is in your life, whether it's a teacher, parent, boss, whoever it is, the government. Like we are called to what? To submit. Why? So that we might grow. That we might develop. That whatever it is that's causing that difficulty of submission, God can refine us in the process of it. So, any, any final thoughts, Cray? I thought this was a good episode. I agree with Vinny, though. This got way deeper than expected, and I love that. No, it was great. No, it was, yeah. it was a good episode for sure. Well, I'm going to, Justin, you got anything? All right, I'm going to, I'm going to roll it. Hey, thank you so much. First and foremost to, uh, to John. John is at the church taking care of some business for us. Thank you, John. Uh, enabling, uh, Creighton myself and Spice Daddy to be here. Um, so thank you so much for that. Um, you have been listening to the live stream uh, version of the Outlaw Radio Show. Um, if you are listening on the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, watch, um, Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Next week will be Tuesday. I know that we've had some scheduling issues. It's a long story. Um, uh, If you're watching, check out the podcast. Anyway, all that being said, my name is Zach Adams. I hope you join us this time next week. God bless.